Thanks, guys. You didn't know you get a workout today at church, did you? Well, again, good morning and welcome. My name is George Davis. Thank you for joining us on this Labor Day weekend. Now, as you know, this is, this is typically the time of year where we make that transition from summer to fall. I realize it's still going to be warm this, this uh, week, but this is the time where kids have started back into school. A lot of the vacations are over. Uh, we kind of go through this transition, and even as we go through this transition at home, we go through this transition at church, and this is a time when many of our opportunities are going to be launching, and we'll talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. But as we launch into this new academic year, there really is an underlying invitation that I want you to hear. It's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, and it's, it's our theme for this season. It's the theme deeper and wider. It's the invitation to grow deeper in our relationship with God and, and wider in our influence, in our sphere of relationships. And so we're going to be talking about what that looks like intentionally over the next couple of weeks. And then in, throughout the year, we'll give you different ways in which you can be a part of growing deeper and wider. For instance, throughout the year, we'll provide opportunities for you to, to practice and develop certain spiritual habits, spiritual rhythms, thus uh, these these cards related to the rhythm of prayer, and I'll talk more about that next week. But as we start kind of this conversation about deeper and wider, this morning we wanted to talk specifically about families. I mean, for those of you who have school-age kids, over the last few weeks you've gone through different kinds of preparation for the school year, and you're, you're preparing, working on what their academic year will look like. Well, even as you've thought about what that academic year will look like. Have you thought about this? What does it look like this year for my kids to grow spiritually? And how can I be a part of that? Now, I realize in saying that, I think for some of us, maybe you would say, look, George, I know that's important. I'm just not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't, I don't know what it looks like. Or I've tried. Sometimes we've had these conversations and it, it just hasn't gone well. What if this really were a year where your kids took next steps in their relationship with God? What might that look like? And how can we partner in that with you as a church family? That's really what we want to talk about this morning. But in, in talking about that, I also realized that the conversation over the next few minutes has the potential, particularly for those of us who are parents with kids at home, this conversation has the potential to stir up certain expectations, right? The expectation that, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to get it all right. Or, oh my goodness, we're supposed to have the perfect family. Or these relationships are always to go according to plan. So here's, here's how I want you to listen to this conversation. I want you to take those expectations about being the perfect parent, and those expectations about having the perfect family. I want you to put them in a box, and now let's just... Put the box to the side, okay? And instead, in listening to this conversation, I want to take you back to what we've been talking about over the last three weeks, and that was the theme of grace. Understanding the timing of that series on grace was very deliberate and intentional. 
Because as we talk about growing deeper and wider, all of that needs to be framed within the context of God's grace. It needs to be framed within the reality that God has radically broken into our lives through the work of Jesus Christ. And he's brought us into relationship with himself and with other people. And he's now equipping us to empower us and restore us to be a part of what he's doing. So particularly if you're you're a parent with kids at home, here's how I want you to hear this conversation. I want you to hear it as an invitation for God's grace to be at work in your role as a parent. And, And in the midst of the highs and lows, the successes, the missteps, the conflict, that that God's grace could be at work in your family, in your relationships, and that you could be a part of a community that is partnering with you every step of the way. To show you and talk a little bit more about what that partnership entails and what it can look like, let me first of all introduce you to our family ministry team. These are uh, the members of our staff that work particularly with our families and Kids Step and CORE. And also, as we talk more about what this partnership looks like, I'm going to invite Deb Hinkle and Nick Mance to join me and have a conversation with me about this. Would you help me in welcoming these two? So... Thank you, guys. Thank you for, uh, thanks for the time this morning. And as we talk about this partnership of of kind of the church and families across multiple generations working together, let's begin by talking about a resource guide that your team has developed called It Matters. So just explain a little bit about this to us and how, how we're to use this, what it's about, what's the purpose. Sure. Thank you, George. And it's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, It Matters is a booklet that was created by the family ministry team. And the purpose of it was to really help, help us partner with you. And in our conversations, we wrestled with, well, what does the vision look like? What, what is really the vision that we have as a family ministry team for Hershey Free Church and for you as parents and for our volunteers. So on the screen, you will see the the vision that, that we created together collaboratively. And that vision is that our vision for family ministry here at Hershey Free Church is to equip volunteers and empower parents to guide the next generation. So we recognize that as a team, uh, volunteers have a, have a front row seat and how they are going to interact with the kids and the students in our church. And you as parents are the primary ways that your kids are discipled. And what we desired in creating this book and the vision for it was to give you a way of uh, having more of a concrete framework in what transformational discipleship looks like. And we rooted it in several verses. And we debated, there were so many verses in scripture that we could have gone to, but these two in particular really just stood out to us as foundational in carrying out the vision that we're talking about. So the first one, Philippians 1.6, is one of my favorite verses, and it says, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we thought, what a great place to start. So we look at our kids from the youngest age and know that God wants to work in their lives and he wants to bring about in them transformation into Christ-likeness. But the awesome part of that verse is that's what he's doing in you and me as well. 
So while it's true for the kids and the students in our church, it's true for us. And as God is transforming us and completing his work in us, it gives us the ability to influence our kids and to work in their lives. And then the other verse, it's two verses actually from the book of Mark, and Jesus is in a conversation with some religious leaders. And as they're trying to trap him by asking this question, which, which commandment is the most important, Jesus answers this, that the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And then he said the second one is, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so again, the foundation of what we want to do, the vision that we have is that we would all grow in love, that we would grow in love for God, that we would grow in love for one another. And in putting this booklet together, what we wanted to do is create a framework where we could see that happen, that it could come to fruition. Because as George said, sometimes it's just really difficult to know how to um, work out our intentions, we, our desires. And so that's why we put this booklet together. And so the purpose of it is to create a framework, something that we can use in a concrete manner that helps us know how to realize this desire of transformation discipleship. And so we created it for our church and for the families so they could disciple their children in formational ways. And so the heart behind this is always how do we help each other become more and more like Jesus? And how do we create that kind of community? Now, as we were talking about this and as a family ministry team, we realized that we don't have that much time with the kids and the students because parents, even grandparents and other family members often have more time with the, with the children than we do. And so I want you to watch this video. Uh, Katrina Brown uh, did this for us. She wasn't able to be here this morning. And so we've asked her to just give you a picture in this video of what it looks like and ways that we could partner together by, by seeing this, this very tangible example, the amount of hours that we have to influence kids and students. While I wish I could be there with you all today, I am very grateful to at least have the opportunity to participate in sharing with you our vision, our passion, and our sense of urgency in discipling children as followers of Jesus Christ. You may be wondering why I'm standing here with jars of marbles in front of me. We're discussing today the importance of discipleship and how we can partner with you as the body of Christ in accomplishing this worthy task. So let's think for a moment about the aspect of time. This smaller jar in front of me represents one week in our lives, in our children's lives. Each marble contained therein represents one hour of each week. The gold marbles constitute most of the hours of each week. There are 168 hours every seven days. And what you see in this jar are 166 gold marbles. These are the hours you have to engage with and disciple your children. It's quite obvious that these color marbles are not balanced. In fact, they are extremely out of balance. The red marbles represent the approximate amount of time your children are here at church in one capacity or another. Notice there are only two red marbles. That means that each week we have about two hours with them compared to the 166 hours you have with them. 
This next jar is then representative of the hours in a month. Assuming children are in church every week, it is obvious that there is still a huge gap in time and influence. Here you see eight red marbles in a sea of 664 gold ones. We have at the most about eight hours to influence your children each month, while you have 664. To continue this analogy, here we have a visual representation of a year in a child's life, 8,760 hours. Of these, there would be 104 red marbles and 8,656 gold. Lest we feel that we can discount those gold marbles by taking out ones that represent school, bedtime, eating and traveling, so that the difference is less glaring, the disparity is still great. Nick, Deb, and George will speak more about the partnership between parents and the church as we continue this discussion. But no matter what, discipling must be continual, even throughout the everyday tasks and routines. Do I show you this visual representation to make you feel worried or fretful or even despairing? No, not at all. At the same time, I want you to leave with a sense of urgency of the importance of intentionally discipling children. Not only do we want to teach children about the grace and peace of God, about the saving power of Jesus Christ and what a relationship with Him looks like while they are here at church, we also want to pray for, support, and encourage you as you do the same along the way. Let's talk about some ways we can do that. Well, Katrina said she didn't want this to be a worrisome illustration, but I look at these jars and there are not that many red marbles. <laughs> and I think as, as a parent, this can, this, this can feel very weighty. It can feel very heavy. So what are ways scripture begins providing some direction and encouragement for us along this journey? Well, there are a number of passages in scripture that can really help us understand God's heart uh, for discipling um, his people, including children. And one of the passages that I think speaks to it really clearly is in the book of Deuteronomy. And so if you can imagine with me that Moses is speaking to, to the people before they cross the Jordan River and go in to possess the land of Canaan. And as he's talking to them, one of the things that he includes is the importance of the family. And so he really creates a picture for them. He says, look, what you need to do is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he goes to illustrate that by saying, teach your children that. Impress that upon your children. And so he was aware through, through God's inspiration that that the family, as they crossed over the Jordan into this new and foreign land, was going to be foundational in what it would look like for them to really grow spiritually and to be able to um, follow God in this new land. And he said, impress them on your children when you sit, when you stand, when you walk by the way. You know, and as families, as parents, as grandparents, as other people who are influential in a child's life, what are some ways that you can think about doing that just in the natural course of a day? To have a natural conversation with your kids that can help them remember that they are loved by God. They are loved by you and they are loved by God. And so Moses knew that was important. Another passage that's can you have a favorite? I just have a lot of favorite passages, but this is one of them when it comes to this issue. In Psalm 78, Asaph, who wrote the psalm, says this, My people 
that's, that's a personal, that's an intimate way of speaking. My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. And then he goes on to say, well, I will open my mouth and I will tell parables and I will tell stories and I will express to you how God has been at work in the lives of our people. And I want you to continue to express that to your children. And then he says, even the children that are yet to be born. And so as we understand this passage, I think it's a matter of us saying, let's tell our kids, our students, the stories of what God has done, but let's also tell them our stories. What has God done in our lives? And that we can make that real and authentic in the lives of our kids. And the psalm ends that this way. It's Asaph says, if we do that, then they would put their trust in God, would not forget his deeds, and they would keep his commands, and they would not be like their ancestors, who were a stubborn <laughs> and rebellious generation. I know we can have rebellious teenagers, sorry about that. But we, I mean, I get rebellious. I so, know. You know. <laughs> but, but the point is, for the long haul, as, they, as our kids grow up into adults, we want them to have a heart that loves God. And I think that begins as we understand these scriptural passages that, that just go deeply into helping us see how we are to live our lives in a way that helps our kids know about the love of God. Nick's got a passage he wants to share from the yeah, New Testament. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, because I think sometimes it's easy for us to just assume like it's just the parent's role, right? right. And I think, I think that's part of the reason like we look at this like, wow, this is so weighty. It's like we get, we get eight hours or that's it. And it's like, no, no, hang on, time out, because this is corporate as well. I think part of what we need to understand is that in walking with younger generations, with kids, with students, it's, it's not just that we're saying, here, parents, this is all on you. We're saying, no, we're, we're community in this together. We are in this with you. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 18, like, the disciples are doing what they do best. They're fighting right? They're having to argue. They're like, no, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. No, I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is like, you guys are just, you're so thick. Like, you just don't get it. And, and he's got all these kids around him. And, and there are other parts in scripture where, like, the disciples are trying to dismiss the children. Like, you're a distraction. Go away. And Jesus picks up this one little kid and puts the child on his lap. And he looks at the disciples and he says something profound in the moment. They're arguing about who's the greatest. And, and Jesus goes, look, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and you become like these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's like, whoa. And I think what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, this is a corporate thing. Like these kids who are here, like, yes, their parents are loving them. They brought them to my feet. Like, yes, but we are in this together. And he actually tells them at the end of the passage, he goes, and for anybody who causes one of these kiddos to stumble, it's better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown in the river. And it's like, that's heavy, both literally and figuratively, right? <laughs> but at the same time, like, I think what Jesus is saying is like, look, we are doing this as a body. Like, this can feel heavy when we think we're alone. But when we're together, then we're strong. And it, it's, I, I think we, we even see this, George, in like how you do like uh, child dedication here at Hershey Free. I remember the first time when, when Elise and I started here coming in, and you're like, okay, we're going to do the child dedication. I'm like, cool. I just passively sit and watch. And then you're like, no, this is active. Like, church body, stand up. I'm going to ask you questions. Do you commit to this? Will you walk with this family, with this child? 
And it's like we are a partner in this. So it applies to any of us, whether, whether you're, you're married with kids, you're single and have kids, you don't have kids at all, you're a single, empty nester, your kids are like now like young adults, whatever that may look like. We all have a vital role that we play in the discipleship process. So it doesn't have to solely rest on an individual's shoulders. It's a corporate opportunity to walk with our students and our kids to disciple them together. Well, thank you. Well, one of the things you do in this booklet, in this resource guide, is building on this biblical foundation. You talk about the different seasons, the different stages of a child's life and development, and really the different responsibilities that come with those stages for parents and for us as a church. And in fact, that explains the pillars behind <laughs> us, which have been added this morning. So walk us through those stages or seasons. Sure. So again, as a team, we really wrestled with the best way to, to try to present a, a lot of content and a lot of uh, understanding of what stages and phases children go through. And so we came up with this idea of using pillars and that there would be four pillars that would define the different phases of development that children go through. And we chose pillars because pillars are strong. And they represent that strength of holding up a building. And so we wanted uh, us all to understand that, that these pillars represented strength. But they also represent different phases of development. And so within each phase of development, we have written three different aspects of that phase. So one phase is simply what uh, are the goals of that phase. And you will notice as you look through the book that those goals get longer as, the, as we go through, but they also build on each other. And many of them are things that are just natural to do throughout the day and throughout a child's life, but we wanted to identify them because this is a framework for you and thinking about how can I intentionally disciple my child. So there are goals that are written within each phase. Then there's the church's commitment. We wanted you to know that as a church, we are committed to partnering with you. And you can read uh, within each phase what our commitment looks like and what we will help your child learn, what we will help them become, as they go through each one of those phases. And then the last one is the parent responsibility. What is the parent's role in each one of these phases? And so, again, the idea is you're not alone, that we are a church community and we are walking this journey with you. That being said, we decided that the first pillar was the pillar of nurture. And as we start on, uh, as a child starts on their physical life, spiritual life, mental life, what they need is to be nurtured. And so the goal in that phase is that we want to nurture children as babies, toddlers, and preschoolers so they know they are safe and loved. It's so important that, that you are doing that as parents, but that you know we are doing that here at church as well. And if we can start children on their journey of faith, their journey of life, knowing they are safe and, safe and loved and that they can come into a, a community like Hershey Free Church and receive that love, that will go a long way in building a foundation for them um, as they go on throughout their life. 
which then leads to the next pillar, and that pillar is build. We knew that as we continued in a child's life that we wanted to build on that foundation of love and acceptance. And so the goal in that phase is to facilitate children's growth in using their imaginations to discover the beauty of how their story intersects with God's story. So we want them to use their imaginations. You know, as we get older, sometimes we're not as good at using our imaginations, unfortunately. But God has given us a, a holy imagination in order to uh, be in love with him and to receive him and to hear from him. And we want our kids to be able to use their imaginations as they experience God's love and as they grow in him. And we want them to know that the, their story the story of their life is part of God's story. And then as we transition, we recognize that the next stage begins in middle school. And that's for us, that falls to like sixth to, to eighth grade. And we recognize that in middle school, students are asking a lot of questions. And so we, we have said, hey, in this, in this pillar, what we want to do is we want to affirm each student's worth and identity, honestly answering and encouraging their difficult questions and concerns with love and grace. And if you've ever spent time with a middle school student, you realize some of their questions are not easy to answer. Um, I remember we actually took a team of middle school students, and they got to experience this at Downey. We took them down there, and the kid came up to one of our middle school students and was like, how do you know God exists? And I was like, see? See, this is what we, like, we recognize, right? They're asking these questions. But like, we, we recognize that students in the middle school stage, in that middle school pillar, they are asking intrinsic questions about who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And does this all matter? And what we want to do is we want to provide them a place, an opportunity where they can express those mm -hmm. questions and honestly know that we're not going to look at them, we're not going to critique them, we're not going to tell them it's a dumb question. We're going to walk with them and love on them and show them grace with it as we help them to embrace their identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. And then our fourth pillar is really like our high school pillar. is like kind of like ninth through 12th grade, and we're, we've termed that pillar as launch. And what we're talking about here is we want to assist students in owning their faith and help them to learn the value of serving others and making wise decisions regarding next steps into adulthood. Our high school students, like, these are students who are actively asking those questions from middle school onward and are saying, okay, how does this apply to my life? Like, what's the tangible aspect of my faith right now? And so we want to give them those, those opportunities to own their faith. It's by presenting them with opportunities to serve both locally and regionally, as well as globally, and saying, we want to send you. It's why we did our mission trips to Downey, and why we did one to Kentucky, and we're thinking about global options with, with Dave Hyatt, our pastor for local and global outreach. And we're saying, okay, but also, how do you take this faith that you've made your own? It's no longer a faith that you've inherited from somebody, from your parents or, or a leader. It's like, it's your personal faith. How do you make this your own and allow it to affect you and apply it to your life to make those decisions as you enter adulthood? And so we really have said, you know, phase four is about launching them because we're getting ready to send them out. And we want to build these, these guide rails for them to succeed not only as an individual, but as a Christ follower. So as we think about these different pillars, these different phases in the lives of our kids, what are some milestones mm -hmm. to look out for that, that could be part of their spiritual journey? Right. So again, as a team, we, we wanted to think of things that are the highlights on a child's journey. 
What are some of the markers and big moments in each one of their lives? And obviously there are, are other things that we could have put in here, but we wanted to really focus in on the markers and the big moments that help them grow in their faith and things that we can do here at Hershey Free to promote that and environments that we can create that would help those milestones become a reality. And so as we think of the, the milestones uh, for children in particular, it starts with child dedication. And I love the fact that I get to do the child dedication classes for parents, and it gives me an opportunity to engage them and just launch them in a sense on what it means to understand the importance of the journey that their children are going to go on, and especially spiritually. But we also talk about it from a physical, mental, and emotional standpoint as well. But child dedication is a moment that not only can the parents see as a milestone, but we as a church congregation can do that. Nick's already alluded to that. We, we are on this journey with the parents in our congregation and with their children. And that starts with child dedication. Other milestones uh, that this one will be coming in the future um, with personnel changes and just some things over the summer, we weren't able to have it for this year. But in the future, we want to have a passage ceremony for kids going into kindergarten, that they will have this sense of, of being valued and honored as they go into this next stage of their growth in spiritual lives. Another milestone, big moment in a child's life is their commitment to Jesus. And research has shown that over 80% of children or people accept Jesus Christ before the age of 14. And so this is an extremely important milestone in a child's life. And Kids Step will help your children um, engage in that as well, just as you will as parents. And then a commitment to personal and corporate disciplines. So included in that is teaching your child some of the, the disciplines of prayer, of worship, of giving, of serving. All of those things begin when a, when a child is a child, we don't just have to wait until they're an adult or even a teenager to do that. And then the last uh, step that we have in the kid step kind of environment is preparing for adolescence. And so we kind of bookend classes with child dedication on one end and then preparing for adolescence on the other, where we have time with parents and also with, with the kids on what it looks like for them to go into middle school with a sense of understanding their identity. And we want to prepare them for what that next stage looks like. And then thinking further about middle school and high school, we, we kind of start off, as Deb already said, with a passage ceremony that we're gonna start with uh, building into our kindergarten area, but we've been doing for years here with our sixth and ninth graders and finalizing with our senior commissioning, but recognizing that there are moments in students' lives where they're big moments, big transitional celebratory <clears throat> moments, right? You go from elementary school where in fifth grade you're, you're top of the mm -hmm. food chain, then sixth grade it's like, nope, back at the bottom, right? <laughs> and then same with, with going into ninth grade. It's like you come out, you're like eighth grader, you could take on the world. Then you hit high school and you're like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying, right? <laughs> so it's a way for us to say, hey, we recognize that this is a big moment. We are with you. We are for you. And we will continue to sojourn with you through this. And so we recognize that we have those big moments there. Uh, baptism and, and like Deb said like 
Typically, we, we see statistics show that a lot of people make decisions for Jesus at younger ages, but recognizing that there is some flexibility, there's some fluidity that happens there. But what we see is as students begin to take ownership of their faith and to say, this is what I believe, they want to take that stand and corporately tell people, no, I've made a decision to follow Jesus and I want the world to know. And so baptism becomes a, a, a milestone for us in middle school and high school. Missional opportunities already talked about going to Downing, Kentucky and partnering with other uh, other trips around the, our area, around the country, and around the world, and saying, no, we want to give you opportunities to live out your faith. Um, looking at senior commissioning, and I love how this has evolved over the years, and now it's like we bring our seniors up on stage, and it's not just that we're like, hey, yeah, you graduated, good job. It's like, no, we recognize we are sending you out, and so we are commissioning you out. We bring our elders and staff and families and leaders to pray over them on stage, and then we spend time with the families and the students just talking about what this next step in their journey looks like. And then lastly, it's about joining beyond. Our, our, our young adult ministry, whether you're taking a gap year, going into college, going into the workforce, whatever it looks like, we wanted to have a place where it's like, no, the process continues because the discipleship process doesn't end when you graduate high school. The discipleship process should be ongoing in all of our lives. There should be people walking with us, being for us, challenging us, guiding us. And one of the tangible ways that we do that is by having our young adult ministry called mm-hmm. Beyond mm-hmm. and connecting them there and saying, no, we want you to be a part of this. And these leaders, these young adults will walk with you and continue this discipleship journey with you. Mm-hmm. Well, th- this is really helpful information to think about the different stages of a, a child's development, of our child's development, and, and also the different milestones that can be a part of that process. But Let's just now talk a little bit more about what exactly does this look like concretely and what does it look like to really partner well as a church community? And as we think about that, uh, let's start by just hearing the experience of several different families in our church. So watch this with me. I'm Sarah Applequist. This is my husband, Brett. Hello. We want to just share one of the many ways Hershey Free has helped us in the discipleship of our children. It has been through the ministries that they have offered at the church for parents. We feel really strongly that they have encouraged us and challenged us and just come alongside us and discipled us in our own walks with Jesus. That has in turn helped us do the same for our own kids and helping them to follow Jesus and walk with him. We love being part of a church that believes that equipping parents is one of the best ways to equip our children. And thanks to Hershey Free, we've been able to learn more about what a biblical worldview looks like and we're able to then share that with our children. Uh, from a very young age, so we're extremely grateful and thankful for Hershey Free. Hi, my name is Alan Dark, and I'm Tiffany. Through Hershey Free's ministry, um, preschool ministry at KidStep, combined with Hilltop Christian Nursery, we've been able to really see a reinforcement of um, the faith in our children. Miss Becky and all the staff at Hilltop um, over 10 years there. Um, just have the gospel at the center of everything they do and it's just such a loving environment It's really just given our kids a chance to know um, About sin and salvation at very at a very young age and giving them a great foundation as they Learn more about Jesus. And it's really cool when we get to see the teachers that they have during the week also serve in kids step uh, on Sundays It's just so nice to have 
other adults that they interact with that are reinforcing the things that we're also trying to teach them at home. Hi, I'm David and this is Raya. And one way that I think Hershey Free has partnered with us so well to disciple our children is through the awesome leaders that both Kids Step and CORE have. We were just praying for a church in our neighborhood that our kids could bring their friends from school to, and Hershey Free is definitely that in our local community. We really appreciate how the Bible is taught, but also how worship is done at an age-appropriate level. And then lastly, I would just say, we really appreciate the model that CORE uses uh, for both middle school and high school, where their leader follows them throughout multiple years. In school, they're so used to leaders that change every year, and it's just such a great biblical model of discipleship to have that connection and have someone follow up with them consistently and be so important to their life throughout multiple years. Hi, I'm Nate. Hi, I'm Christy. We are the McKelveys. And we've been coming to Hershey Free about three years. We've seen our kids really be able to connect with like-minded uh, Christian students, which is a safe place for them to gather. Uh, we've seen them be able to have great mentors and the amazing staff and volunteers. And we've also seen them be able to serve, uh, not even only on just small missions trips, but also just to be able to serve the church and, and connect in a lot of uh, very practical ways. So we're very thankful for that. It certainly takes a village to raise children, and we definitely are thankful that Hershey Free is part of our village. Well, I appreciate them sharing part of their story as families, but talk to, talk to parents, particularly right now. What are some next steps that we can take as parents? We've been challenged to understand the urgency, the responsibility, and a little bit more about the stages that our kids are going through. So what are some potential next steps for us as parents? Well, I think there's several ways that parents can take a next step. And, and one of them is to um, take a look at the It Matters book and don't be overwhelmed even by that. There's a lot of information in there, but the goal of it is for you to, to read it and just look at some of those goals and say, what is one, one thing that I can do that I'm not currently doing? Because I'm sure as parents, you are already concerned about discipling your children. You wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. And so we just want to walk with you in that and provide, again, a framework for you to take a next step. So determine what is your next step that you can do with your family. Um, also, what are ways in your own home that you can practice spiritual rhythms? What are some of the rhythms that you already have? And what are ways that you might be able to expand on those? Um, <clears throat> George has already alluded to the fact that we're practicing rhythms as a church and that this next one is on prayer. So maybe there's another step that you wanna take with your families in how you're going to pray together or how you're going to encourage your kids to have their own prayer life, whatever that might be. But thinking about rhythms that you have in your, in your home are ways that you prioritize their discipleship <clears throat> and their transformation. Another way is to be in community with one another. Um, you come and we worship together, and that's part of community. But what other communities are you part of at Hershey Free that are, are smaller communities where you get connected with one another? And one of the ways that we offer partnership here at Hershey are the connect groups that we have on Sunday morning. 
And we have intentionally created two groups uh, that focus uh, at parenting at different life stages. So we have KidStep Parent Connect that's designed to help parents who have kids in KidStep. As, as Nick mentioned his announcement, we're really good at communicating what we mean. Like KidStep Parent Connect is, about, is for parents who have kids in KidStep. Um, and then we also have Core Parent Connect. And we realize that you may have kids in both, both groups and you can decide which one is the best fit for you. But both of those groups exist so that you can connect at a smaller scale with one another and encourage one another and pray together. And I also did want to let you know that this fall, KidStep Parent Connect is going to be doing a series on parenting, ways that you can encourage each other in biblical parenting. And Core Parent Connect is going to be doing a 12-week series. Uh, it's a video series um, that's been created by someone who is well-versed in this area on holy sexuality. And what does it look like to help our kids work through issues of sexuality, given that we are in a culture that just has so many questions and just so much confusion about that? So those are just some ways that you might be able to take a next step that would encourage you in ways that we can partner with you. Yeah, and I would say a few other next steps that we would like really encourage would be to have your, your kids, if they're of kid step age, actively participating in kid step, if they're of core age, actively participating in core. And it's not because we're looking for a metric of like numerical value. We're not trying to pattern numbers like, yes, we have so many kids coming to kid step in core. That's not what we're after. But we, we truly believe that what we are doing within our programming, that we are really highlighting that discipleship factor. Um, one of the cool things about uh, getting to be a part of crew this past summer was actually watching how they implement small group discussion at a kid step level that we have we have kids from like first grade through fifth grade like getting into small groups and asking questions and really wrestling with their faith it's about getting students involved in core where they can have peers and and leaders who walk with them as, as some of the people mentioned in the video like we have so many leaders who have committed to seven years walking with their students and we're talking about small group leaders who are saying, I'm committing to sticking with my small group of 10, 15, 20 kids with my co-leader, and we're going to start from sixth grade and go through end of high school. And so many of them are recycling back because they believe in this. They see the biblical premise for it, and they're like, this is what's going to help a student, coupled with their parents and the community around them, really make their faith their own. And another thing that we would encourage is for families to worship together. Um, this is something that I think culturally we've, we've just kind of disconnected from. I think within churches around the world, we, we, we kind of show up for a one-hour stop shop, and we, we kind of bit and parcel our, our way out. And, and I want you to hear from us as a leadership team, like, we want your kids in service with you. We want to hear babies crying, and maybe, maybe every now and then, like, a high school junior crying. But, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but, like, we want this to be a place where, like, where students and kids can come and know that they're welcome. Where parents don't have to, f like, feel like everybody's looking at them because their baby's crying. That's what the church is. The church is a multi-generational group of people following Jesus. And studies show, studies drastically show that, that when families worship together, when we bring people along, our kids, our students along with us, the statistics radically increase for students who post high school will continue to stay involved in the church and allow for their faith to grow and flourish. Mm -hmm. And so we would encourage you, bring your kids in here. Mm -hmm. 
Let them sing along. Let them ask questions about, hey, why does the one guy who speaks on stage wear slacks and the other guy wear jeans? Like, why does the one guy use, like, a lot of words that we haven't heard before? And, like, why does the young guy who's got a lot of gray in his beard, why does he always show videos and stuff? It's like, no, ask those questions. Let them ask, why do we sing these songs? What does that word mean when it says, I want to follow Jesus and make him my savior? Like, the more that we bring our kids and our students together in here, and we open up those opportunities, we're going to see them flourish and grow in their faith. Mm. So I would say, yeah, definitely get them involved in Kid Step and core. Bring them in here to worship corporately together and model those rhythms with them. Mm -hmm. And then I would also encourage, like, be checking out the newsletters that we send out for both Kid Step and core. We put information there about uh, the connect groups for Kid Step Parent Connect, for Core Parent Connect. But we're also going to start adding resources in there as well. Things, uh, links that you could click on to just follow and say, hey, this is something that we thought would be helpful and beneficial in the context of our culture and, 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 and what our students and kids are wading through. So here are resources to equip you and your kids. And you're actually starting a resource room for... Yeah, yeah. Well, we actually have two. We, we kind of, we, uh, we double dipped a little bit, I guess. Um, the old library, now room 40, we've converted into a resource room. And you can find a ton of resources in there uh, for, for any age group, as well as Bible studies and resources in that way. But specifically for students, uh, with the promotion of Bridget Joseph now to our Associate of uh, Student Ministries, we had an extra office, and rather than use it as a closet for me, um, we said, no, like, we can, we can actually turn this into our leader and parent hub. And what we have done is we have now put, like, all different resources for small group leaders, for families, for students, for parents, to come in and, like, on our dime to say, no, these are for you. Everything from different types of Bibles for students to, to, to Bible studies to tough questions students ask and, and hopefully some answers that we can provide to them as well. And so we want to just have resources in abundance for families that we can get into their hands. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, you've spoken directly to parents, but what would, what would you say to those people here who either don't have kids or their kids are grown and they're no longer shepherding small children at home? Yeah, I guess I can take it from the perspective of, of not having kids, right? right. And there, there are many people in this room who, who don't have them for various reasons, right? Um, single, don't have them, can't have them. Um, your kids have grown, they've gone on to college or an empty nester. Your kids are young adults, um, whatever, it, whatever it may be. And the reality is that we all play a pivotal role in the discipleship process in the lives of our kids and students. I think some of some of my leaders here today, like, some of them don't have kids. And the way that they pour into the students in core, the way that some of our, our core students pour into kids in kid step, it's radically changing lives. And while you may not have kids, for whatever the reason, that doesn't mean you can't impact them for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. You can walk with them. You can be in their lives. I mean, one of the coolest things for me is, like, I... I we don't have kids of our own, but I get to be with 150 kids each week, and I get to look at them as my own. And I get to partner with you as families and to say, no, this, this is something that we get to do together. And the best part about that is, like, I get to send them home to you. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, no, we get to do it. It's like, I love watching my kids go on to college mm -hmm. and to see them come back. Mm -hmm. Like, just this morning, I got a hug from one of our, our, our recent graduates who's back home for Labor Day. And to see them flourishing and still wanting to be a part of the church. Like, we as individuals who don't have kids still play a vital role in the lives of our kids. Mm -hmm. 
as they said, it takes a village. I would also argue it takes a community. Mm-hmm. A community of like-minded people on mission for the kingdom of heaven. Because we've all been there. We were all kids at one point. Some of us it's a little bit harder to remember, right? Some of us it's a little bit closer. But like, we know what it was like to feel alone. Or to feel like we didn't have somebody to talk to. Or like mom and dad wouldn't understand. And we want to create a culture, a context, where they have a place with adults who get it. Who are willing to be for them. Yeah, and I would speak... Uh, to that as a grandparent. Uh, some of you out here are grandparents, although, you know, even as grandparents, we once you've had kids, you never stop parenting, right? So, <laughs> you know, I'm still having conversations with my adult children. Um, but as grandparents, we have an amazing opportunity to influence children uh, from a different perspective without the weightiness of, of parenting. But I I look across this audience and we are a multi-generational community. And we have the opportunity to invest and impact the next generation. That's really what Psalm 78 is all about. Like, how are we impacting the next generation? And even though you may say, well, I'm not parenting anymore. I'm not actively parenting. Maybe there are ways that you could build a relationship with a, with a family here who has young kids, especially um, families that don't have grandparents or aunts and uncles in the area. And, and there's a way that you could invest in them. Take those kids out for ice cream sometime and just build into their lives. Let them know how much they are valued. Help, as you walk by kids in the hallway, don't just walk by them. Stop. Say hi. Bend down. And just ask them how they are. I know in this culture we, we want to teach kids to be cautious about strangers. But within this context of this environment, we want to create a place where kids don't feel like they're marginalized. We want to create a place where they feel like, hey, we are part of this church. This is my church not just my parents' church. And so I would encourage you to just think about simple, small ways that all of us, regardless of our age or the life stage that we are at, that we would take seriously ways that we can influence and impact families of Hershey Free Church. And I would add like one other really tangible way that we can do this is just by praying for our families, Mm -hmm. praying for our kids, our students, I mean, the stuff that, that kids and students have to wade through on a, on a day-to-day basis, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you talk to any of our volunteers, any of the parents in this room, and, and the stuff that kids and students are being faced with, it's stuff that I think for all three of us representing like different, different histories, like, <laughs> we didn't have to wade through that stuff. And for our kids and our families to just be able to say, hey, we're going to pray for them. To make it a habit of saying, hey, daily, we're going to pray for our parents. We're going to pray for our kids, our students, and, and what they're facing. That, that parents can continue to pour into their kids. That they can continue to model Jesus to them. That we can pray for our students who are coming to their own identity and having to, to figure out how, how a biblical identity and worldview relates to the world they're living in, right? And for our, our kids who are, who are hearing messages that are just counter to the gospel all the time, saying, how can we pray for, for their minds and their hearts to be like, not, not just, like, protected from that, but grown and flourished as well. 
And, and that's something that any one of us can do. Regardless of our age, regardless of our, our, our family backgrounds, whether we're singles, empty nesters, young adults, whatever it looks like, we can be in prayer for them. Because the reality is, all this sounds great, but if we don't constantly be, go before the throne and go before God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and say, it is only by your divine power, then none of this works. And so to have you praying for and with our families, that is going to be what truly, truly allows for this to succeed. Well, I want to, I want to do that as we close this morning. But before I do, uh, I just wanted to do two other things. First of all, I want to say thank you to you too and to your team for all the work that you've put in really developing this framework. Would you just help me say thanks to these guys? Because I really wanted to communicate the appreciation of our church family. So... And secondly, before I pray, I wanted to just share a story with you, and I'll let these guys over here. So uh, talking to someone this week, and in the course of the conversation, she was sharing a bit of her life story and how she became a follower of Jesus. And she said, you know, I became a follower of of Jesus, and then she said, then I became a Christian. And as I became a Christian, I then became a parent, and when I became a parent, I panicked. And she said, I panicked because I didn't know how to do this. And and she went into a little detail just describing kind of multiple generations of dysfunction in her family and the way that had come down generation to generation. She said, I didn't know how to do this now that I'm a follower of Jesus. And then she said, but I, so I just started watching people. And she just described how in the context of relationships, she learned a new and different way to engage this process, this journey of parenting. And as I reflected on that conversation this week, I just thought, that's, that's what I want to see in the life of this church, that we could really be in this together, that we could come alongside families, that we could be uh, the, the kind of community that you two have, have described eloquently this morning. So along those lines, I want to kind of just bring our time together. Uh, in prayer, and particularly for those of you that are parents and are parenting with kids at home right now, I really want to pray for you as we start this new academic year. So join me in prayer. Father, I do thank you just for the work of this team over the last few months as they've developed a, a framework for us to utilize in partnering with families. And even as I thank you for that work, I thank you for the families that are part of this church, and I pray for them. We're right at the beginning of a new academic year and that comes with its own set of stressors and challenges and I pray for the parents here listening. I pray that the, the, the conversation this morning would just be an encouragement to them that you desire your grace to be at work in the context of these relationships and, and I do pray that we can be a church community that is partnering with parents. I pray we can be a church community where it's as kids grow up, as they ask good questions, as they wrestle with different things in their lives, this can be a place to have those kinds of conversations, a place to come to understand the reality of who Jesus Christ is, what he can do in our lives, and what this journey of following him looks like. We want to be a place where those conversations can unfold. And even for those of us who don't have children or no longer have children at home, I pray that we would recognize that we are in this together. Father, we want to be the kind of community that has been discussed over the last few minutes, that is a multi-generational family. We can come together and be on the same journey together. So may you strengthen us and give us wisdom in that process. 
And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So again, I want to thank you for being a part of uh, this conversation this morning and let you know we're going to have members of our prayer team available at the front if we can pray with you. And also, as we've talked about uh, different resources, this It Matters guide is going to be available in the lobby. You can pick one up at the various exits as you go. And for kids, if you kind of filled out that uh, note sheet, we've got squishy toys available for you at the doors as well. So thank you for being a part of this conversation this morning, and I pray as we begin this new academic year, you're going to join us in taking steps that are truly deeper and wider over the course of these next few months. With that in mind, may you go with a sense that God has called you to be an agent of his grace. Amen.